You're listening to The Deep Cut, a podcast by Atlanta Christian Church, hosted by lead pastor Derek Sweatman and community and spiritual formation pastor Joel Mooneyhan. Each week, we take a closer look at the history and theology surrounding the week's lectionary text to give you a deeper knowledge of God's Word and what it means to us today. We're glad you're here. We hope you enjoy what you find. And now, let's get started. Okay, friends, we are back. A few minutes, a few days late on this one. It's been quite a week. Uh, we're mailing out all those T-shirts, so that, they look good. Yep. If you haven't bought your T-shirt yet, the church has left the building. Uh, it's a solid shirt. Twenty-five bucks. All proceeds go to Atlanta Mission. Go to our website. Get you one. Get you one. Get you a few. Um, Make good gifts. They do. They're nice shirts too. Yeah. I was putting the tags on this morning and it was like, this is a nice shirt. Yeah, there's some friends of mine are going to be getting some of those. This is no Target Pac-Man shirt. Yeah. This this will you can wash this multiple times. It'll it'll, it'll yeah, hold together. It'll hold together. <laughs> so, very exciting. Okay, so we are uh, in Romans for quite a while and this is our first uh, text. This is a huge text, uh, chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. I'll read it. Okay. And then why don't you jump in? Because I know you have a lot of notes. Yeah, I'm and, happy. And then to. I'll obviously I'll share some stuff too. But uh, but here we go. Yeah, Chapter five, verses one through eleven. Paul writes: Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we also have obtained access by faith into His grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we now have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Mic drop. Yeah, so there's... I mean, Romans is one of those books where there's a lot of famous passages, mm-hmm. and this is one of them. But uh, since it's the deep cut, I thought it might be interesting to go into some of the historical stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of language things that are in there that are or one specifically that's kind of cool. But basically, uh, there is a lot of information about the Roman Church and. Based, way too much to even go into on, on this. But there's some evidence that in the Roman church there was a rift between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile converts. So there's something going on there, and there's different theories about what it might have been. It could have been stemming from uh, the figure of Jesus as the Messiah, or it could have stemmed from you can't be here because you're a Gentile and we're Jews. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was some rift. And so uh, 
when you're reading it, it's important to, so Paul will say often to the Jews and then to the Gentiles, he'll say that. He's trying to address both. Mm -hmm. And as you read it, you really have to fully appreciate how much of a genius Paul is because he's able to talk to two separate groups of people masterfully and explain some things about the gospel. Uh, this would have been circulated to 10 or so synagogues that we know existed. Mm -hmm. And a, there's evidence of maybe four or five house churches that met in Rome. Yep. This letter would have gone to all of them. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't have all had the same groups of people. Christianity in, in Rome especially represented a wider spectrum of people mm -hmm. than any other faith did at the time. So he's having to cover a lot of ground for his for a wider range of people mm -hmm. as anybody. So just when you're reading it, understand that he's trying to hold a lot of mm -hmm. things together. And that's why it does get so big and explosive because he's he can't yeah. just zoom in on one thing. Another historical piece too is I had to look up the date just now, but somewhere around forty seven AD, um, Emperor Claudius expelled the Jews yeah. from Rome. So one of the one of the thoughts here is the church was originally in Rome, both Jew and Gentile. Um, when the Jews are expelled from Rome for a number of years, the Gentile church it becomes flourishes. a predominantly Gentile church. Mm -hmm. Then uh, Jews are allowed back in to Rome, and then there's this clash right. among um, Gentile Christians and then the Jews returning to these churches. So this is taking place as well. Um, and then the other issue too is, although this is chapter 16, but um, the carrier of this letter to those churches is Phoebe. Yeah. And um, it's such a cool story because it's like, this means that Phoebe has been charged with reading the letter, which is in a sense, embodying the letter. She's the face of Paul. Uh, and so she has to read this thing, answer questions. And give and, instructions. And give instructions. And so it's interesting. Yeah, it is. And it, it kind of, it's one of those things that helps you understand that Paul said what he needed to say to the people who needed to hear it. Yeah. Uh, and not, that won't go down that whole thing. Um, but Paul's a real, he's smart. He, he's a Roman citizen. He uses that to his advantage as much as he can, mm -hmm. whenever he can. Mm -hmm. And he clearly has, con he's never been to Rome. He doesn't get, I don't, uh, he's trying to get to Spain. Mm -hmm. And so there's some evidence in what he's writing that on one level, he's trying to gain support. Uh, on another level, uh, support so he can get to Spain. We don't know that he ever did, probably didn't. Uh, there's also evidence that he's wanting support because Rome is the central is the hub of the empire and he's worried that he might run into uh, problems in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So having the support of the Roman church would have been helpful to him, but he's also just writing in defense. All, all the defensive writing that he does kind of the ap apologetic writing is to demonstrate why he's someone they can trust. But again, he's trying to tie these uh, disparate groups together. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you have this in your notes, but there's also the issue of the possible interlocutor, which is... Oh, where it's... He, he's, yeah. he's arguing 
when you read Romans, it sounds like Paul's having an argument with somebody, but he kind of is. Apparently, there's some body there or some sentiment that is in right. the Roman church that Paul is pushing back on. Um, he's setting up a, a straw man to argue with. Not, yeah. Straw man is not a right word. Yeah. But he's, we, I mean, you see that in even writing today. Someone will write an op-ed and they'll, they'll, yeah. they'll present the case of the other side yeah. so that they can refute it. Yeah. Um, so and, that exists in almost every passage um, going forward. We have Paul apparently speaking back at that idea. Mm-hmm. You know, and the the culture of Rome. So, Roman religion outside of Christianity and Judaism was basically it was sort of a state religion mm-hmm. to an extent. Uh, I mean, they had priests who would advise the Senate, but it wasn't a supernatural the way that we would think of it. I mean, they had their they had these cults of different gods and everything, but it was so. At one, it was so prevalent that people took it completely for granted. And it was not an organizing principle for Rome. Mm-hmm. Religion was just not a thing that they used as a marker of identity. Mm-hmm. Judaism and Christianity decidedly do. Mm-hmm. And so that looks strange. And so he's also trying to give encouragement for this strange world that they're in, where they're basically hostile mm-hmm. uh, to to this idea of a, of a faith that you you tie your whole being around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, unless you were a member of the priestly class in Rome, your faith was just, yeah. it was just a... Um, and as far as our passages today, the argument Paul's making here against, the, again, this straw man, um, is being justified before God uh, by faith and not by your performance. Yeah. And so the struggle is, and I don't think the struggle has ever gone away, but the struggle people are having is like this, this feeling that they need to specifically in this context, be as Jewish as possible Mm -hmm. by obeying the law and all of that. And Paul is pro law. Like, I mean, these, the Torah is very important. Sure. Um, but it doesn't save in the sense that, no. Because if we're just judging our life on how well we follow the guidelines, there's a lot of failure in there. Mm-hmm. And so grace has to be um, present in order for us to even make it through. And therefore, the law perhaps serves a different purpose anyway. You know, it forms us as a people. And um, But the argument he's making here is really what God is looking for out of us is not performance but faith. Yeah, and some of that is going to stem from what I was talking about with the the way the Roman culture worked. Uh, the way they viewed religion was that religion was transactional, and you got favor with the gods by doing mm-hmm. the ritual the right way and all this stuff. And there was a sort of legalistic view in pagan religion then. Yeah. I mean, to a very strange degree. And so, one, the concept of a god who's interested in caring is interest is is unique mm-hmm. but he goes into this you'll find a lot of law court language because that's how mm-hmm. rome viewed it they viewed gods as basically these uncaring judges who you just had to you had to do the ritual the right way you had to pay the right sacrifice or whatever and you could get it was called the um pax deorum mm-hmm. it was the 
piece of the gods and you had to buy it and you had to earn it. Mm-hmm. And so Paul, that that's going to be pervasive and they're going to have to deal with that as, as Jews and as Christians. Mm-hmm. And so he uses this, a lot of law court language, but then um, he, this word in verse uh, two through him we have also obtained access by faith into the grace which we stand. The word that he's using there is uh, prosogage, and it's basically introduction. It has two connotations. One, it's used to talk about when someone comes into the presence of the divine, but it's also used to talk about a ship's harbor or a safe haven. Mm-hmm. It's interchangeable. What's interesting, though, is that when when he's talking about coming into the presence of God, in any other context, you'd have judgment, condemnation, you know, all this other stuff. And here, we get grace. Mm-hmm. And so, again, like you said, it's just this, it, it, it's rooted, It's he's really painting a separate picture from what they're used to. And he's addressing this idea that when you go into the presence of God, the, the true God, you receive grace mm-hmm. and you, you don't need to be hung up on, you don't have to go worrying. Did I do the right thing? Did I say the right thing? Yeah. You wouldn't have anyway. Yeah. Um, well, and he raises that ante, uh, by saying, I guess we should come back to this hope produces, you know, our pers- character produces hope. But yeah, if, if we skip beyond that, he raises the bar in saying, so much so that God, uh, the death of Christ was for the ungodly, mm-hmm. not for those who were being godly. Right. And uh, and that phrase, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, is just, there's just, there's nothing stronger than that in terms of what that's saying about God's uh, grace over us. And I was watching... Um, which everyone should watch this, but there's a, I don't know if it's 30 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, it's with Eugene Peterson and Bono talking about the Psalms Mm -hmm. and, um, they get into this conversation about violence and Eugene Peterson says that the cross was, uh, God's response to violence. In other words, that, Jesus allowed the violence of the world to overtake him. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very interesting because this is this is the response God has for when things go really bad. He takes that on uh, himself. And, and it's representative of the kind of world Jesus died for. Yeah. A world that would produce... I think this is what Peterson was getting at, was a world that would produce such a thing as crucifixion. Yeah. That's awful. It ends up getting used to rectify the problem, um, or at least to lay down the life um, of the one who can fix the problem. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, and he that that riff too is again more law court language. This idea of mm-hmm. would you would you die for a man who was not guilty of anything? Would you die for a man that was all right? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Mm-hmm. And yet Christ comes in. And he dies for us when we're demonstrably guilty of the crime that, you know, he stands in our place for the, 
for the crimes that we committed. Yeah. Effectively. Yeah. And it's just a, it turns this riff into um, your your status and your state are changed mm-hmm. before Christ. Uh, this is something I read about from Barclay and talks about how your status becomes justified and your state becomes sanctified. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really cool way of understanding that yeah. like what Paul is saying is that both our position before God is changed because of Jesus and our state as humanity is changed because of Jesus. And mm-hmm. so it works on two very important existential levels mm-hmm. that people were trying to deal with. Yeah. And the cross becomes this centering point for us uh, throughout time because it's like whenever the world, and it does, whenever the world comes unglued mm-hmm. and then whenever our personal lives come unglued, um, we, we have this picture, this historical picture of the response of God to such a world and to such a life. And so it stands as a remembrance, a, a memory of like um, when things are off the rails, you know, morally, socially, whatever, this is, this is the response of God, mm-hmm. uh, that he would um, take that on himself. And so that, that's just crazy. And it has come back around throughout history. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we come from a Christian perspective, you and I, so we're going to look at things through that lens, of course. But, I mean, when there have been major societal upheavals throughout history, mm-hmm. the, the, the church is often, if not, maybe not always, but often one of the first and most powerful agents to make proper changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the, in the very early church, you, you read about, or the first century rather, first and second century, you read about these plagues that would come in and people, people who could afford to leave would leave. Mm-hmm. And anybody who was sick was just, but it was the Christians who stayed and said, we have to care for these people, mm-hmm. even at the risk of our own death. Yeah, And then you get into... Uh, with the Reformation, there's there's a grave injustice going on, and you have Martin Luther who's coming in and talking about getting back to the roots of what what did Christ really say? And then you get into the abolition movement in England and then in the United States, mm-hmm. and it these major the civil rights movement, um, and hopefully with what we're dealing with now, the mm-hmm. church can galvanize too. But mm-hmm. understanding that the story of Jesus when properly applied and when it moves us the right way it it does something it's a different story yeah and it it can empower a lot of meaningful change because it's the example of somebody who is willing to stand in the gap and uh take on something for us that right we should have had right i'm rambling but it's just a it's a powerful story. Yeah. And this is Martin Luther's chapter right here, mm-hmm. you know, justified by faith. And it's like, it's, we live in, you know, people have always been this way, but self-justification is a problem, yeah. you know, where yeah. we try to justify ourselves, not just religiously, but socially and, you know, relationally or whatever. Like there's just this constant self-salvation 
mm-hmm. um, tendency within everybody. And it's, you know, it's, it's a problem. And so what I love about this passage, but also this, this theological stream is it's almost like Paul was saying the justification, you know, being justified before God has been handled. It's done. Now you can just get on to living mm-hmm. the Christ-centered life, the sanctification piece. Right. Like you don't have to like dance a certain way to get into the party. It's like mm-hmm. you can just you can stop worrying about have I done enough for God to accept me, etc. That's been done. Yeah, it's always been done. Um, so now you can just get on to living get on to fighting the good battles and um, being a voice for Christ's grace and mercy in the world. And I think that's the important thing is that on the one hand, a lot of times in that effort to be self-justified, we will read, we'll read scripture and we'll read the story of Jesus through the lens of what we already want to believe. Yeah. A political identity, um, a social identity, whatever, and we will, and instead of reorienting it, so that no, 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 filter everything through through the Jesus story first, and you'll find that things are you have to do a lot less mental gymnastics mm-hmm. to come to those uh, to to get things lined up. But um, although something else you said just now um, that just went away, I don't want to ramble on about that. If I can't remember what it was, but yeah, just. Um, Oh, getting on with the, getting on with it. And yeah, there, there's a response that, that has to happen if it's real, you know, if what we really, if we, what we believe about it is real and sincere, then yeah, there's something we must do, but that isn't that we're earning it. It's that the reality of what Christ has done is so empowering to us that we can't help but not. Mm -hmm. I mean, the when the sun hits the hits a tree it causes it to grow mm-hmm. trees not having to do the work it's just the power of the sunlight mm-hmm. making it happen and i feel like that we should be so animated and moved by what we believe about christ that we're not doing it because we feel we're not doing good things because we feel like we have to earn it we're doing good things because how amazing is that mm-hmm. i mean that god has grace he cares for me and that even even though i'm not good enough he he's willing to he did the hard thing for me yeah that shouldn't mean something yeah so that's what i take from this is just again that age-old encouragement to not put put any trust in my own um self-justifying behavior um and instead just trust in the grace of god and Get out there and live, and um, you know, be be His presence in the world. You know, for me, that's I love it. Get out of your own way. Yeah, um, yeah. There was something you said in the message too. Just sort of a, I think you referred to it, but just like the idea of we're so quick to just cancel mm-hmm. anybody who's, and I think thank. God that he doesn't dismiss us as quickly as we dismiss each other. Yeah. Uh, and it would do us better, all of us, yeah. to 
maybe take a look at what grace really means. Yeah. Yeah, and the church sits at a really interesting crossroads right now because, you know, it, it's going to be a place, if it plays its cards right, it's going to be a place where the canceled can come, you know, and find restoration. Um, if there's ever a place they should be able to, it should yeah. be in our doors. Yep, and it's it's hard, you know, but um, so that's all I've got. Yeah, I've kind of, I burned through, I I just got real into this passage Yeah, (laughs) the last couple of days, and I just, I I shot all of them like fireworks, just. Yeah, no, these are, these are heavy passages, Um, and we're at 25 minutes, so. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's not going to be, when you're, when you're reading at home, there's such a dearth of information. Yeah. Is that the right word? Sure. Sure. A lot of information out there. Like, <laughs> you can you can really sit in any passage in Rome for a while. Yeah. And just soak up a lot of good stuff. And I think, like, imagining what it was like for these people to hear this read to them. Again, you can imagine Paul is speaking straight at a sentiment that existed. Yeah. Which was justification by works. Right. Versus justification by faith. And again... The lectionary this year has been landing on some really timely moments. Yeah, and the I mean the situation in Rome when this was being read yeah. is not unlike the cultural situation that the United States. And I'm not even talking about necessarily just the racial discussion, but I mean just the amount social of social tension social tension and the amount of pseudo-religious philosophy that doesn't really mean anything yeah uh, I mean when people say they're spiritual but not religious I'm like you're religious yeah you are that's a religion in and of itself like and you've got all these different things that are vying for your attention and all these different little deities and uh, it's I mean we're we're a carbon copy of that culture yeah. and we're headed I mean we're in the and we're in the same sort of uh, really critical tension yeah and so you, when you read Romans there's a lot that's just wow this he could be writing it to, to us here right now yeah and it would have would not have changed the lectionary much. has shown up this year I gotta imagine God was like man year A is gonna kill y'all are gonna need it <laughs> <laughs> So it has been very encouraging. Um, yeah. And it, it, it will continue to be that way. So, okay, man. Cool. Peace, y'all. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Deep Cut. If you'd like more episodes, want to listen through our archives of sermon series, or if you're in the Atlanta area and want to learn more about ACC's mission and ministry, you can find us online at www.atlantachristianchurch.org or follow us on Instagram at the handle Atlanta Christian Church. Special thanks to Jeff Box and Dave Hick for our musical themes, and thanks again to you for listening. We'll be back next week, but until then, y'all have a good one, and go with Christ, grace and peace, and we will see you soon.